Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. I thought one preached what we needed to hear. I was like, you know, we, we can all go home, just keep one worshiping. But the Lord has a different message for us today. Because when he placed on my heart what he wanted you to hear, it started off like this. Shootings in synagogues. Shootings in mosques. Churches being burned down. Students murdered in schools. Sex slavery on the rise. Corruption rampant, government officials fighting against each other, countries collapsing under failing infrastructure. I think we would agree that the world is being shaken. And yet, in the midst of this sinful actions going on around us, it is God's desire that we, his children, would become unshakable. Come on now. Did you hear that list? And you know that's a partial list. And how many of us concern ourselves with what's going on? We should always keep an eye open, by the way, and know. Because we need to know what's going on around us, be able to know it, and still be unshaken. In order for us to become unshakable, what we have to do is stand on, build on, cling to what is unshakable. Well, I just told you it's not this world. What the Lord told us to do through David in Psalm 62, 1, he said this. I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. God doesn't expect us to do the impossible. <laughs> That's his job. The instructions for building a true and solid foundation, however, are found in his word. It's our job to seek out the instructions. We need to know and then build an unshakable foundation that is based on the word of God, solid Christian doctrine. So what is that? What is solid Christian doctrine? One word, Jesus. Jesus is our doctrine. He's the rock on which we build. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the Old Testament. He is the New Testament. Jesus is the foundation that cannot be shaken. When we realize that our lives based on Jesus and him alone, and we make him our chief cornerstone, we then become unshakable. And only on a solid, unshakable foundation are we able to weather the storms of this life and not only just weather them, but flourish in them. So, 
we get down the basics and we get them down correctly. But you know, and we've heard it from our pastor, knowing correct doctrine is not enough. <laughs> we must know and then do. So I'm here today, as he's already said, to talk about praise and worship. See, when we read the scriptures, we realize that the power that the early church that was established by the apostles isn't the power that today's church has. Would you agree? So there's been some kind of deterioration in the power. And as you study, you'll realize it's a commitment level that was lost, a commitment to prayer, a commitment to knowing and reading and studying the truth of God's word, not what I would call a carve out. I, I really don't like that part, so we're not going to teach that, okay? No, <laughs> that's not optional. Preaching the word of God, embracing the Holy Spirit, those are the truths that the church must re-embrace, but don't panic because God's doing that. He is returning truth to his churches. It's his bride. And he is revealing and restoring his truth and power. And one aspect of this truth, one basic major aspect of this truth is praise and worship. So what we want to know is what's the biblical meaning of praise and worship? What is it? Praise is declaring the wondrous works of God to boast about him for who he is and what he has done. That's praising. Praise in Psalm 92, 1 and 2, it says this. It's good. <laughs> it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the Most High. It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening accompanied by, you guys will like this, well, I, I'm going to read it as, as it says here, but I'm going to say it as you know it should be <laughs> in today's world. By the ten-string instrument, guitar. By a harp, okay, I don't know about that one. Probably the keys, let's make them the keys, huh? Strings, yes, and the melody of a lyre. Okay, that's a guitar again. Bass, we'll make that one the bass. You go with that, Carlos? Let's get to the good stuff. Oh, yeah, we had the crashing of the cymbals. I know where the drummer is going. You thrill me, Lord, with all you have done. I sing for joy because of what you have done. The psalmist knew. I don't have to go through a 100 voice lessons unless I'm leading worship, right? I don't have to learn how to... Uh, play an instrument unless I've been gifted that way and am led that way to do so. But what I do have to do according to the word of God is sing. Sing. And it's not um, for your neighbor. It's not for us to criticize one another. We do it for one reason and one reason alone. For him. He says it's good to do that. Praise also involves declaring God's character. In Psalm, it said this, I will sing of God's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear about your faithfulness. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens. So we praise to declare his wondrous works, to boast about him. We praise to declare his character, and we also praise 
to enter into his presence. Because we want to get in God's presence, right? We're always saying, well, how do I find him? Where do I go? What do I do? Well, here's, like I said, the instructions are in the word. In Psalm 100, 1 through 5, it says this, Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. That makes him our pastor. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. We praise him, and we worship him. So those are the definitions of what praise is. So when you go into the word and say, okay, so what is it to worship God? And we all know this as well because our pastor has told us many times. Worship is first and foremost an attitude of the heart. It involves reverence, adoration, a heartfelt response to the presence of God. Worship is our response to his presence and it is an attitude of submission and surrender. I seriously doubt that any of us are going to say, you, you're God, when we meet him face to face. That's it. Now, we might say that to the enemy. But to our God, we're going to be in awe. We're going to love him all the more. Psalm 92, 1 and 2 says, I don't know if I have that there. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I skip something for you guys? Well, we'll just do that then. Worship is our response to his presence. An attitude. Oh, we got to do John 4, 23. Sorry. John 4, uh, 23 and 24 says this. The time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. By the way, do you know who is saying this? Jesus. Not that there's anything in scripture you won't be able to believe, because it's, it's all from him. But when it's coming from the mouth of Jesus himself to us, how should we respond? He says, the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, and so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Worshiping in spirit and in truth means honoring and adoring. Honoring and adoring God. First, through the presence and guidance of the Holy Spirit. And secondly, according to the word of God. I just gave you a bunch of scripture for that. Um. I don't know. You guys hold off here because I told you the, the praise involves the, the declaring. Stay on the on the slide that you're at. Praise involves declaring his character. Praise allows us into his entrance. And worship is an attitude of our heart. We declare who he is. Those come from scripture. We're getting our direction on what praise and worship is. When we do it, 
with the Holy Spirit and by the word of God, they're both necessary to worship him because if the present, if the spirit isn't present, okay, if we're worshiping without the Holy Spirit present, all it becomes is dull, empty, and lifeless. When we don't have the word to become involved in our worship and do it according to what the Lord has said, it can become unbalanced emotionalism, dead ritual. When our worship is guided by the Holy Spirit, centered on Jesus Christ and conformed to the word of God, we are worshiping in spirit and in truth. We are made to worship. We are made to worship because we have three parts. Do you know that? Body, soul, and spirit. And with those, it gives us the capacity to worship the Lord intimately. We are made to, and we have been given the how-to, and we are able to. It's not, he's not asking us to do something we can't do. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, the Lord said this. Now, through Paul, may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Our body, it's a vessel made out of clay, out of dirt. And what it houses is our spirit and our soul. And aren't you glad we're promised a new body? I know I am. In 2 Corinthians 5, 1, it says, For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven that is an internal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Our soul, which is our mind, our will, our emotions, is inadequate to worship God alone. But you know what? A lot of people try to worship soulishly just by emotions, just by will. That's not enough. God placed his spirit in our spirit so that we can commune with him directly without being limited by the two things that we are so often limited by, our understanding and our emotions. Although our souls may be inadequate alone, don't think that that means your soul is not worth anything because Jesus himself placed great value on our soul. He said, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? but lose your own soul. Is anything worth more than your soul? It's all important. And finally, our spirit. The place through which we, in our spirit, commune with God just directly. Our spirit has three capacities or capabilities. Our spirit has a conscience. Our spirit has intuition. And our spirit has communion. Conscience is defined as an inward law of divine origin which distinguishes between right and wrong. In other words, he put it in us to know what's right and what's wrong. Intuition is the ability to receive truth and guidance apart from reasoning. Revelation from God and the moving of his spirit are known through intuition. And communion is the ability to worship 
adore and praise God in the spirit. Revelation um, allows us, oh, I'm sorry. Because communion is a God-given desire within the human spirit, everyone worships something or someone. Let me tell you that again. God put those three things into us. He made us body, soul, and spirit. And in the spirit, it has three different important cap capabilities, the conscious, conscience, the intuition, and the communion. And in the communion, it is the ability to worship. That means everyone will worship something or someone because it's the way God made us. While we have been created to worship God, many still struggle to do so. And there's a lot of ways they get out of it. And, you know, I'm talking to church people because, you know, people outside church don't try to worship God. So I'm talking to church people. There's a lot of people that don't understand what it is to worship God. And they say, well, I, I don't know how to do it. What's right? What's wrong? What's accepted? What's not accepted? And as a result, what we have developed is whatever makes us comfortable. I love what Juan said this morning. Hey, if you're, if you're comfortable, you're not all in. So I want to tell you what the pattern for worship is according to the word. And I want to start with the first pattern he gave us, and that was the tabernacle of Moses. The, through the Old Testament, he gave progressive, God gave progressive revelation of how we were to approach him and how we were to acceptably worship him. He revealed the altar and the blood sacrifice as grounds to approach and to worship. Later, God told Moses this, hey, have the people build me a holy sanctuary so I can live with them. Build this tabernacle and furnish it exactly to the way that I tell you to do it. This was known as the tabernacle of Moses. And what was in the tabernacle of Moses that was the most important piece of all was the Ark of the Covenant. And it traveled with them. That tabernacle went wherever the children of God uh, wandered in the wilderness. The tabernacle had three parts. The outer court. And it had the altar for the blood sacrifices. It had a laver for washing and cleansing with water. The next part was the holy place. And it had a table with the bread of communion. It had a lampstand, which was the only light in there. And it had the altar of incense which was a sweet fragrance to go up to the Lord. And then the third place, which was the most holy place, that's what it was called, had one piece of furniture, and that was the Ark of the Covenant. It was where the presence of God was made known to the children of Israel. And it was within walls made out of animal skins and separated from everything else by a veil. No one, no one could enter the most holy place except the high priest, and at that only once, one day a year <laughs> on the Day of Atonement. So that was the only time they had one man had presence with God once a year. Now, something else came into place, and it was called the Tabernacle of David. King David came along years after the tabernacle of Moses, and it was up, the tabernacle of David was up for only 40 years between Moses' tabernacle and Solomon's temple. 
when, um, even though it was there for just the 40 years, you know what? God said, this is, this is the one. This is the pattern. This is what I'm calling important. David knew that he needed to have the Ark of the Covenant brought back. He went and he got it, and they struck, they constructed a separate tent to put it in. And when he set the Ark in place, he said, this is what I want. Bring forth the priests. Have them continually be before God in his presence. There was no veil. The priest stood directly in front of the Ark of the Covenant, the place that they knew of God's presence, and they did not stand there giving blood sacrifices. Instead, they offered spiritual sacrifices of praise and worship in the very presence of God. That was David's tabernacle. And through that, God gave us ways to praise and worship. This is not this house's ways. This is not the pastor's ways. These are God's ways. He revealed to David, God did, the pattern of worship which was pleasing and acceptable to him. Do we want to learn how to worship in a way that is pleasing and acceptable to God? Are we willing to do it once we learn it? Because you see, that's when you get called out into the waves. Because a lot of people aren't comfortable with that. I've developed my own way. It's all right. What I do is okay. It's between me and God. Well, according to his word, unless he wrote a special Bible for just you, He said this, and these are just some examples. He appointed priests to be before God with singing. He appointed musicians to play instruments before him. This was continuously. He appointed some just to stand and thank God. A lot of us would like to say, oh, hey, yeah, God, thank you. Yeah, I'm good. No, I don't want to stand up. He appointed the priests to praise him, acknowledging just alone his mercy, that it endures forever. He also said, this is what I want. This is what I love. Rejoice. Be joyful. You know those people that do this? Yeah, I'd believe that too, wouldn't you? He also appointed them to clap their hands. Shout! He said shout. He's, he said shout. An expression of praise. Also lifting hands. They ministered as an act of worship, just lifting their hands and one of the most expressive ways of worship. Oh, dance. Yes. Because you know those people that stand there like this going, that's really weird what they're doing over there. Yeah, what they're doing is obeying. And there's reasons for all of this. 
God commands us to praise and worship him. It's found in 1 Chronicles 16.29. I'm not going to read all of these for you. If you want to write them down, you're welcome to. He tells us, praise me, worship me. He tells us he is worthy. Don't we know that he's worthy to be praised and worshiped? He tells us it's an acceptable way. Praise and worship is the way to enter into his presence. He tells us that praise and worship is a way to glorify him. And those are the places you may find them. That's uh, worthy to be praised, 18.3. Enter into his presence, Psalm 100, verse 4. A way to glorify him, Psalm 50, verse 23. And you know what? Those are just the reasons to praise and worship him. But do you know that there's results once we actually do that? It's, it is for him. But you know our God wouldn't leave it there. We benefit from it too. Because that's who he is and that's how he is. And he says, with your praise and worship, let me tell you what you have. You get to experience the manifest presence of God. For those of you who know how to praise and worship, do you encounter him during those times? Yes. You know, which is Psalm 22, 3. Again, I'm just going to give you the address. I'm not going to read them to you. Praise and worship is also a very effective way to stop the advances of Satan. Have any of you ever had warfare? Guess what one of your major weapons is? Praise and worship. It's also a way for us to reach those who need salvation. 40, Psalm 43, it does say this. I'll read this one to you. He's given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed, and they will put their trust in him. The, the Psalms were a way of telling the story of what God had done. When you go around and sing things like, you make me brave. You call me out to the other people who don't know that are listening going, what does this mean? How do I do this? It is also a way to receive deliverance. How many want God's deliverance in certain situations in life? That's 2 Chronicles 20. And it's also a way, and this is one of my favorites, praise and worship is a way to exercise the weapons of our warfare. Amen. I know, and I'll let you guys know, you're in war. Whether you recognize it or realize it or not, you're in war. You have two enemies to war against. Satan, who is the enemy of, our, of, uh, of us, enemy of our Lord and Savior. <laughs> we also have to war against our own stinking flesh. But our God is good. And when we sing praise and worship to him, he comes to our rescue. Praise and worship is also a way, hey, how about this one, to live a long and fruitful life. The dead can't praise you. They can't raise their voices in praise. Those who go down to the grave can no longer hope in your faithfulness. Only the living can praise you. Praise and worship is a way to renew the mind. Need that? 
And praise and worship is a way to see the provisions of God. He provides to us, for us, through our praise and worship. And this was one of the things that the Lord wanted me to share with you as well as our pastor. Because it's about the words about praise. And there are seven in the Hebrew that translate praise in the English. Now, how many of you know that we really <laughs> we really don't do ourselves justice knowing only English? But because you know about love, we translate several words into the word love. You can love your spouse. You can love your children. You can love hot dogs. So the Hebrew don't do that. They don't do that at all. They say, okay, this means this way, this means this way. And they have a separate word for all the words we put into love. The same thing we have done with the word praise. Here are the seven words out of the Old Testament that the Lord gave to us that we may understand the meanings of the, the, meanings of the word praise. Yada. The Lord said, yada, and that means to lift your hands. The Lord said, toda, toda. Now, I did yada. I'm going to ask all of you to do toda with me because toda means this, the whole congregation lifting their hands in unity. Ready? It's an amazing picture here to see that. And I can only imagine what that does for his heart because it just stirred mine. Halal, to boast, to rave on foolishly before the presence of God. Oh, God, you are so good. You were wonderful. You are better than the words that we have in our, in our ability to say of who you are. Now, you know when you do that, even in a church setting, there's someone in the back row going, what is wrong with them? Well, you are a halal. You are doing what he said. Boast in him. Even if you're, if you're going on, you're raving on foolishly. And then there is tell halal. You know what that means? To sing the halals. Zamar. To celebrate. With musical instruments. Yay! Shabak. To praise. With a loud voice. Aren't you glad I didn't do that in this? It's okay to shout. It's for him. It's from him. When we do in obedience what he has asked us to do, we not only connect with him in a greater way, we benefit from it. What would hold us back? Pride? You know how well that worked for Satan? And the last one, Barak. It means to kneel in adoration. So this was what the Lord had given to the priests. And I'm going to mess you guys up because I'm going to go right to the scripture 
because I want to explain to you, priesthood is no longer for just the Levites, as it was in the Old Testament. And these were the instructions given to the Levites and how to do and what to do. And it was in David's tabernacle that he understood and read these things. And he said, this is how we have to do it. Remove that veil. But you know, religion creeped back in. And they put the veil back up. Jesus said, no, we're done with that. No more veil. And in Peter, we all love Peter, right? Because he's so much like us. Yeah. He said this in uh, second chapter, verse 9. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. A holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. So what are the acceptable, acceptable sacrifices of the priest today? We, we sacrifice ourselves. And you know that's a battle. I don't know about y'all, but I always want it my way. And it does you no good to wrestle with God. You'll never win. And if you do win, you just lost big. Our substance, our substance. You know, we give him our time, our treasures, our tithes. Do you know that we offer a sacrifice of joy? Sometimes you just don't feel like it. It doesn't matter about your feelings. Sacrifice of thanksgiving. I don't feel thankful. Well, that's why it's a sacrifice. Go thank him anyway. Sacrifice of praise. Realizing who he is and his greatness. And his favorite to bring to him a broken and repentant heart. And let me give you that scripture one more time. You are not like that. You are chosen people. You're royal priests. Not just priest, royal priest. You Collectively, we are the body of Christ, a holy nation. We are God's own possession. We can show others who he is. Through our praise and worship, our demonstration of a lifestyle of adoration to him. Thank you, Pastor, for letting me share. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Praise and worship is so vitally important to to our walk and our relationship with the Lord. And we, we can look back in the Old Testament, and there are numerous uh, examples where as the, the worshipers would go out before the army, God would begin to slay their enemies. Can you imagine sending a guy out with a flute and a drum and a, you know, a horn or something? And, and God begins to move. And there's something about this worship that we really need to get and if, if you don't like worship, 
I don't know how much heaven's going to appeal to you because I don't know what we're going to be doing there, but I think there's going to be a lot of worship. And we really, you know, worship is, is, as Pastor Christine was sharing, is an expression of our adoration to Him. I don't know what God has delivered you from. I don't know what challenges you faced. I don't know what your life was like before you came to Christ. But I know what He's done in my life. And people get all crazy and throw beer and do all kinds of crazy stuff when their team wins. And, and we want to be all, you know, reserved when it comes to praising the Lord. God's done more for us than the Rockets or J.J. Watt or, you know, any Astro. And what I want is I want us to be authentic. I don't want to try to manipulate. I don't, I don't want to try to tell you how to worship. We just learn some different ways, expressions of worship. But what I do want is us to worship him from our heart with transparency and honesty. You know, I, I really like what's happening right here. And I think, more importantly, I think the Lord likes what's happening right here. Because this is what it's all about, where we come to that place of yielding and saying, God, I'm, I'm just here before you. And, uh, you know, we're not here to play church. We're here to encounter him and allow him to do something in our lives and pour out, give to him what we can give. And I think the only thing that we can give to him is our worship. We can yield our hearts and lives to him, but the only thing we can really give him is our worship. This is a sweet time, and I, I so appreciate the word, Pastor Christine, thank you. I appreciate the worship, praise team. And uh, I, I appreciate you staying here and hanging in here and saying, you know what? Dinner can wait. Uh, you're still going to beat everybody to the restaurants here. But the important thing is coming together and worshiping together. There's something that happens when we worship individually, and there's something that happens, a dynamic that changes when we come together and corporately worship. So I want to thank you for being here today. I want to encourage you to come uh, Wednesday night to Foundations classes. We have child care. It's powerful. It's good stuff. Uh, we have men in life this Thursday, 7 to 8. Men, you need to be here. Um, and we have Saturday night prayer where we're coming to pray every night from 9 to 10. And on Thursday mornings, too, from 9.30 to 10.30, we're praying for the community. We're praying for individual needs. We're worshiping. Listen, guys, if we want to see the power of God move like the early church, it's going to require something more than just coming for an hour and a half on Sunday mornings. We need to press in. And this is not about performing. But it is about saying, you know what, God, I desire you. I'm committed to you, and I'm going to press in. I'm going to seek. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship, and I'm, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to yield my heart and life to him because that's what we want to do. Otherwise, we're just playing church. I don't want to play church. I want to press into him. I want to see God do. Jesus said, the things I have done and even greater will you be able to do. I'm not satisfied with anything less than what Jesus said we can do. Amen? Amen. I want to thank you again. The altar prayer team will be up here if you'd like prayer, if you want to come and just spend some time before the altar. And uh, I want to thank you. I want to bless you. Lord God, I just thank you for these that are here today. I thank you for blessing the families, the marriages. 
the people, the individual people, Lord God. And we just pray that this word and this desire to worship you would grow deeper within us and that we would truly become worshipers like David, who was unashamed in his worship, was untouched and unhindered by what people said or thought because he cared more about this relationship with you than what anybody would say or think. And Lord God, I pray that we would have a greater passion and desire for this intimate, personal relationship with you. And I pray that as we go through this week, Lord God, that we will see and seize the opportunities that you place before us to worship you, to spend time in prayer and thanks, and also to share this hope and love of Christ with those whom you place in our path. And we give you praise and glory and honor and thanks, and we thank you for the opportunities. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us into all truth. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And as always, you have the opportunity to make a difference in the world around you. Will you? Will you? Because it's a choice. And in the meantime, I want to challenge you as always. Go out and live it. You're dismissed. Thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week and remember to live it. God bless you.